good morning. We welcome you to this celebration of a life, and a celebration of a homecoming for George Bolson. And uh, I know I speak for the family when I say that they uh, regard your presence here as a token of your uh, support and your love and encouragement to them. So thank you for being here today. Um, in our service today, we're going to have um, there's a section in your program marked eulogies, and uh, we're going to give you, after the reading of the scriptures, we're going to give you an opportunity, if anybody has a story that they would like to share about Georgia, how she touched your life, um, funny, touching, uh, short story, <laughs> but a story, uh, then we'd love to have you come share it at, uh, at such time. So. Um, we'll, we'll, I'll prompt you for that uh, as you can gather your thoughts. I know it's kind of intimidating to speak in front of people, um, but uh, the, the mic will be open for you to do so if you care to. Uh, we'll have uh, screens. We'll, we'll share the, the call to worship will be on the screens, and the, the hymns will be up there as well, so you can follow uh, the, the words on the screens. Now, we're going to read a responsive reading. It comes from Psalm 121 as we invite God into our presence here today. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. And would you stand with me now as we sing that great hymn, one of George's favorites? How great that was.
Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great and precious promises that you hand to us in the scriptures, that you indeed will never leave us or forsake us, and that nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God, we are here not just to mourn, but to celebrate. Mourning for our loss, but celebrate with Georgia for her homecoming. And God, we pray that you would bless our time together we pray that you would be here to strengthen, to encourage, to give a promise of hope. Thank you, God, for your, for your presence here now, for these good folks who are here to help remember Georgia. Won't you bless our time? We make a prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again, and who, while on this earth, taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. And so it is important in moments like these, as it is at all times, to turn to the Word of God. After all, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ has made provision for us, so that today we're celebrating 
life because of his indestructible life, we know that Georgia is safe at home. And so we read in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, where the Lord Jesus declared, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And then from the glorious resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 46 through 57. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And then from the Revelation. First, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And then the last chapter of the Revelation, 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. For there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Thus, the reading of God's word. We want to give you an opportunity now if if, um, you have a a story, a touching story that you'd like to share with us about Georgia, maybe something a little funny, we'd we'd like to hear it. So would anybody like to come and share with us a story about Georgia? It's not a story, it's just a a remembrance, but it's a short one. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, Ron and Georgia have been uh, frequent members of our Thursday night book studies and Bible studies, and I just want to say how much we have enjoyed their their commentary, their participation, and their friendship, and uh, just to say that we will will miss Georgia as a companion in in our group. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. Just scream it so we all can hear you. Thank you. 
Who could top bread and wine? <laughs> I would like to say a few words to Georgia and her husband. My wife and I, we used to have a lot of good card games, handled bread card games, and we really enjoyed them all the time. And we also talked, John and Georgia, and they talked us into going on a Mediterranean cruise. And we spent like two, three days You dipped your toes in. You didn't immerse yourselves. Okay. Just saying. Anybody else have something they'd like to share? Hey, Carl. Yeah. 
my favorite song. If you think it was easy getting Willie Nelson to sing for us, uh, you have another thing coming. He's very busy, you know. Thank you very much for coming today. And thank you, those of you that are online watching. It means a lot. It means a lot to Georgia. I see so many good friends, good times that we've had. Each of you was either touched by Georgia or you touched her in a special way. Georgia will be pleased that you're part of her service. And uh, as I was preparing these remarks, somebody mentioned, are you going to have somebody help you read what your thoughts are? And I thought, wow, that is a good idea because I'm not going to be able to make it through. And you're going to get uncomfortable because I'm crying here. And uh, so thanks to that person who did that. So I have my son and daughter here to help with me. First, let's address the elephant in the room. You're looking at this picture of this beautiful woman, and you're thinking, how did he ever... <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were. How did he ever get a woman that looked like that? Well, it's easy. She married down, I married up. <laughs> I almost blew it, however, because I don't know if you, it's probably been a while since you've dated. And, uh, uh -huh. and uh, one of the things that sometimes guys will say is I think we need to see other people. Remember that? Well, translated that means you're pretty good, but maybe there's somebody out there that's better than you. And so um, we were sitting in Georgia's apartment living room. She was on a couch on the other side of the room. I was in a chair. And I tried that famous line. Now, she's terrific, but maybe, just maybe. So I said to her, the famous phrase, I think we should probably see other people. Well, she got up off her chair. She rushed across the room. She jumped on my lap, straddled my legs, and said, who the heck do you think you are, Robert Redford? <laughs> she said, I'm the best you're going to get. And... Uh, she was correct. Chills went down my spine, and Georgia was more than I could have ever hoped for. Uh, let me start by introducing my, my family. I have a son, Peter, and has a lovely wife, Annie. And Peter's not here today because their son, Will, 20 years old, graduated yesterday from the Coast Guard Academy. And uh, so they're in New Jersey, uh, where the academy is. However, they were able to, Peter and his daughter Gracie, 
were able to see Georgia before she died. So that was good. In, ad uh, in addition to daughter Gracie, uh, Peter and Ann have four more children, all boys. And uh, they, Peter and Annie live in a suburb of Los Angeles. Peter graduated from the University of Minnesota and is an account executive for Thomson Reuters. Georgia's stepdaughter, my daughter Kim, and family live in Duluth, Minnesota, in the, that area. Poor Kim, yes. Isn't that the truth? All these people that have moved from Lenore. And uh, Kim has two daughters. Kim graduated from Rasmussen Business School and has a degree from Bethel College. And she works for United Healthcare as a client manager. Georgia's stepson, my son Todd, and family live in a suburb of St. Paul. Todd has a son and daughter, and some of you have been praying for that son, and uh, who just completed uh, 13 weeks of horrendous military training to become a Marine. And he did become a Marine. So he will, as they say, any Marine here? You're always a Marine. Todd is a graduate also of the University of Minnesota and works as a certification manager for the United Council for Neurologic Subspecialties. Now, if you're counting, that's nine grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. And when they were younger, we used to bring them two at a time to Florida. And uh, the teacher, Georgia, would have them make Florida books. And so everybody, we took pictures of whatever they were doing while they were here. And then of course they had to describe what it was. So each of the children, the grandchildren have Florida books. They have them till this day. And uh, Georgia loved each one of those grandchildren and that helped fulfill, fulfill her life. Now those of you that know Georgia, know her as a warm, kind, caring, fun, faith-based woman that you wanted to spend time with. There are so many examples of her remarkable life. Time only allows me to talk about a couple. I'd like to talk about her inner strength, her faith, her love of teaching, and hopefully by doing this, my love for her will show through. I brought Mr. Theodore, this is a picture of Theodore with Georgia. Her cousin, excuse me, her aunt, Teresa, gave Theodore to Georgia when she was a baby. So this, yeah, you guessed it, 77 years old. Now, and you'll notice in the picture, the bear is very brown. We also know that when you go into your 70s, you kind of gray. <laughs> so that's what's happening here to, to Theodore. 
She started out in her crib, then her bed, and the last 47 years, she had a place on the sham in our bed. So every, every day when we went to bed, theater was placed someplace else, and in the morning, theater went back to bed. So the reason he's here today, he doesn't like to be without Georgia. Along the way, the Lamb of God was added to the menagerie, and they become buddies, incidentally. I've asked Kim and Todd to read my written thoughts. Kim? These are my dad's thoughts and feelings. It's 6 a.m. one day in 1974, and my phone rings. A female voice says, you don't know me. But my friend Charlotte says you are a good person to talk to. I said, I do know of you. Her friend Charlotte worked at the same real estate office as me. Georgia said she had just been stood up by her fiance for the second time. She asked, what should I do? Being recently divorced myself, I said, you should go boating with me today. And we did. It was the beginning of a romantic, wonderful life for us. I love that woman. 27 years ago, Georgia was diagnosed with scleroderma, which means hardening of the skin, lupus, and rhinoid. Her life was estimated to be five years. It changed her life. You just needed to look at her hands to see what it meant. She had open sores, broken fingertip bones, and limited usage of her fingers. For 27 years, she had pain. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. She would wear gloves to bed to protect her hands. Most people never knew she had carried this burden. Her inner strength allowed her to act as though she had no pain. Every morning she had a smile for me. The doctors added a mean, a doc, the doctors added a men's drug called Viagra to her medicines. This was allowed to allow more blood flow to her fingers. I kiddingly asked her not to chase me around the house day and night if she took it. She reluctantly agreed. Too bad for me. Georgia loved children and teaching, which she did for over 30 years. She taught in the intercity of St. Paul. I know some of you had favorite teachers you wanted your children to have. Parents wanted their children taught by Georgia. She was interesting, competent, funny, and the kids loved her. This plaque was on her deck. It says, keep, keep me going, Lord. Todd will now speak about her teaching. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. Uh, at times, I... We think back to all the schools that we've attended over the years, and I'm sure there's a favorite teacher that comes to mind for each of you. Uh, even today, we hear stories on the news about how one teacher can impact a student significantly. Um, there are a couple of stories I'd like to share with you regarding Georgia students, um, and those uh, two students are Maya Beecham and Newly Paul. 
and these are only a couple of the students that you know, have been impacted by George's love and dedication to teaching. So the first student, uh, Maya Beecham, this is Maya when she was in the second grade class of George's. She had written George a, uh, a thank you letter back in 2012, and I'd like to read that to you as well. Dear Miss Bolson, I can't thank you enough for your love, friendship, support, and generosity. Your spirit has blessed me beyond measure. As a token of my appreciation for you, I submitted a short story honoring you in the 2012 St. Paul Almanac. The story is on page 14 and 15. I love you dearly. God bless. Maya Beecham. So I'll, I'll read the story to you here. So. The title of the, the story is uh, My Second Grade Teacher. I was seven years old in second grade and tired on a daily basis. Most mornings I arrived at Highland Elementary School after limited sleep. I was robbed of sleep by bouts of eczema, an inflammatory condition of the skin. Rashes, rashes covered my skin in the middle of the night. Half asleep, I removed the socks from my hands and dragged my wiry fingers and fingernails against my skin, scratching for relief that seemed unattainable. Endless scratching led to long mornings. By the time I settled at my classroom desk, I was not interested in arithmetic, reading, or writing. I was interested in only doing what I wanted to do, and school didn't make the list. Miss Georgia Bolson, my classroom teacher, was interested in me. She saw potential in all, the, all of her students, including the students that were sleep deprived. She encouraged us, believed in us, pushed us, and entertained us. My favorite moment in class included sitting on the rug where she read Nancy Carson books in the animated fashion. I was a challenging student, and in return, Miss Bolson challenged me to learn and be engaged. For example, I didn't qualify for gifted and talented programming, but I showed enough spunk and talent in pushing back against the school, and she found a way to redirect my energies. She made us a deal. If I did my work in class, she would let me join the omnibus gifted and talented class. I was ecstatic. My self-esteem stored, self-esteem soared. I felt smart, relevant, and important. I helped to create the Omnibus newsletter, a good challenge that was both fun and exhilarating. Ms. Bolson single-handedly changed my seven-year-old life. At the end of the school year, I was preparing to move to South Minneapolis with my family. Ms. Bolson stopped me as I exited the classroom for the last time. She said, I wanted to stay in contact with you, and that was the beginning of a lifetime friendship. The following school year, I started third grade across the Mississippi River in what seemed like a foreign land. I was shocked and disheartened that my new teacher didn't meet the standards set by Ms. Bolson. One day, I phoned Ms. Bolson with concern and said, my teacher thinks I'm dumb. She said, why do you think that? Do you do your, home do you do your homework? I said, no, <laughs> but I can talk to her. But can you talk to her? So, uh, that was only one of many conversations conversation spanning childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. She went from yearly summer lunches to yearly phone calls and greeting cards to stay in touch. I still refer to her as Miss Bolson, my second grade teacher, although she often reminds me that I can now call her Georgia, my friend. When I deal with the children in my line of work, I channel Miss Bolson so I too can single-handedly change the lives of children by helping them reach their full potential. 
And then I wanted to share a, an updated picture. This is an updated picture of Maya now. Um, Maya joined the Minneapolis Foundation December 2021 as a program director. Uh, her work entails working with the community partners to advance economic development in North Minneapolis through the community-led grant marketing and facilitation of the Northside Commercial Real Estate Advisory Committee. Get this, the same girl that did not want to do school received the following education. Maya earned her Master's of Public Affairs at Humphrey Institute of Public Affairs and a Bachelor of Arts degree from Hamlin University, one of the prestigious colleges in Minnesota. This is one of many students that Georgia loved and helped. The uh, second person that I just wanted to speak about was Newly Paul, and this is a fantastic picture of, of the two of them, and I'll just read briefly too what the impact is there. Uh, Newly was in a program named Take Stock in Children. Uh, this program offers students one-on-one -on -one support through caring, volunteer mentors, professional college student services, the opportunity to earn a college scholarship, and hope for success in college, career, and life. Georgia met Newly once a week for all four years of her high school. Upon hearing of Georgia's passing, Newly sent the message to Ron that I'd like to read. Newly said that Georgia was an amazing person and that she was family to me. I took, it took me a while to grasp the message because she was a huge part of my life growing up. I was excited to tell her that I was finally graduating this year. She would have been proud. She always was a great support. I am sending lots of prayers and love your way. And I know she's watching over us. Thank you. I'll turn it back over to Kim now. Thanks. Georgia loves the Lord, as many of you know, and studying the Bible. And I know many of you here were in her Bible studies. <laughs> um, when we're back to my dad's thoughts again. So when we were making arrangements with the pastor to get married, he asked her if she was a Christian. She replied, well, I'm not Jewish, so I must be. <laughs> I had been a believer for a long time. We made sure that her becoming a Christian was not a contingency of their marriage. It was so exciting to see Georgia gain an understanding of her faith, and it was my privilege and honor to accept her statement of faith and baptize her by immersion in the church where I had been an elder. Georgia started to lose the ability to control her right leg. On February 14th, NCH, Baker Hospital determined that Georgia had a subdural hematoma and a stage three aggressive rare brain tumor. We went to the University of Miami where she had brain surgery. Georgia did four weeks of a six week program of radiation and chemo here in Bonita Springs. She got to the point where she could not walk. On April 9th, she collapsed and we brought her again to NCH. It was determined that she had a second brain tumor. Georgia decided at that time to stop all treatment. She told her five doctors that she had faith and knew when she died, God had a plan for her. She felt there was no point in prolonging the inevitable, and they all agreed with her. 
She at that moment, knowing the promise of eternal life, she made the hard decision and brave decision to die. On April 12th, we brought Georgia home to the hospital bed in our living room. Hope Hospice and I would take care of her for the rest of her life. She was unable to walk, therefore confined to bed. I had never cooked, not even a scrambled egg. My job was to clean the kitchen after Georgia prepared the meals. After about a week of my being a new cook, Georgia said with her wit and humor, your food tastes like crap. <laughs> <laughs> the heavens opened up and Pastor John said there were about 15 people that would like to help prepare meals for us. Georgia and I thanked those people and a big thank you to Pastor John for your love and friendship. Georgia had been in a coma for six days. April 28th, I was bending over the bed, talking to her and hugging her, and I felt her last breath. Georgia and I knew where she went to spend eternity. Sad for dad, good for her. Georgia suffered pain every day for 27 years. Now she has no pain. Just the joy of being with Jesus. One of our friends sent me a sympathy card that said, your sadness is now a reflection of your love for the one who is gone and a sure sign that you loved well. I love you, hun. Carl, I'm going to... Here. Uh, I don't want to get too far away from my stool, which is behind me. <laughs> uh, so you'll forgive me for putting distance between me and you. But um, when um, Ron finished writing his remarks out, he sent them to me. And uh, he said, I, I wanted to, to know what you thought about these. And I, I read them over, and then I thought, <laughs> Well, there's nothing for me to say then, <laughs> uh, because I thought that it was so well-crafted and so well-done, and uh, so I thank you all for those good remarks about Georgia. But I did, um, at the risk of redundancy, I did find uh, a poem that I wanted to read to you and then make a few remarks. The name of the poem is called Overcomer. Uh, Stress eats at me. Old monsters roar to life, bad habits broken, reawaken. Eyes wet with tears unshed, hands shake, bad thoughts resurface, triggers cut deep. Be calm, be quiet, be a good girl. Stress tearing me up inside, trying to make me insane. I know I can cope. The monsters stay dead. Bad habits remain broken. Bad thoughts trampled. Triggers still cut, but I won't scar. I may struggle, but I won't drown. Life is hard. I can do hard things. I am an overcomer. 
Well, the poem was written by uh, a lady by the name of Marie Lancaster. The truth is, I have no idea who Marie Lancaster is. I did a Google search, and I still don't know who Marie Lancaster is. But I think that, um, but that's at least part of the point. Uh, this poem is about a person who is quite overwhelmed. Old monsters roar to life, eyes wet with tears unshed, bad thoughts resurface, stress tearing me up inside, triggers still cut. I may struggle. Life is hard. And these words were written by a nameless, faceless poetess. Well, of course, she has a, a, a name, and of course, she has a face. But to us, she's nameless and faceless because she's unknown to us. She is an everyday person. In fact, she is every person. Nothing special, speaking with a voice for every human being, because everybody has old monsters. Everybody faces stresses of greater or lesser magnitude. Everybody struggles, and if your life isn't hard now, strap in because it's coming. So we measure ourselves not against an absolute standard, a standard of utopian excellence, but against one another. Uh, my younger brother used to say, I hate my life, but at least I'm not you. And we think of the life of Georgia. When we do so, we think of one who is characterized by this poem. Georgia's life was, in fact, a struggle. By order of magnitude, she struggled more than most of us, right up to the end. Her body hurt every day. Waking up and moving around was hard, and pain wears you down. Pain affects you mentally and emotionally. Life is hard for everyone to one degree or another. Life is hard. But that, you see, is the biblical pattern. The greatest leaders in the Bible had difficult lives. Abraham left the cradle of civilization, Ur of the Chaldees, to go to a place where he owned no property he was a nomad till the day he died. Moses was chased by the entire Egyptian army, survived that only to endure the incessant complaining of the Israelites while living in the most inhospitable, barren wilderness on the face of the planet for nearly 40 years. And King David, though a king, spent precious little time in the royal palace because he faced two major coups where his life was in jeopardy, one of them by his own son, and most notably Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth, was born in a barn behind an inn with a no vacancy sign out front. He was despised and rejected by his countrymen, and then he suffered beatings and torturous, a torturous death outside the gates of the city alienated uh, from the people that he loved. Even his best friend denied knowing him. And the death by crucifixion paled in comparison to the alienation that he experienced from his heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. His cry from the cross was, 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you see, that's the biblical protocol, that suffering precedes glory. That's life's protocol. Suffering precedes glory. Jesus suffered, and then came his glory, and so it is with us in this world. There is suffering. Every one of us experiences it, and every one of us could tell a story of pain that they either have experienced or are experiencing even now in their lives. But on the other side of this, of this thing that we call death, comes glory, heaven. We read it earlier, no pain, no sadness, every tear wiped away, everlasting joy, and the fulfillment of our deepest longing to be welcomed with a well-done Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your salvation. Jesus himself said, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So a memorial service such as this does at least three things. It helps us with closure. Georgia has has been around for a lot of years. Ron's been married to Georgia for 47 years. It's hard to believe that she's not here. And yet here we are together, affirming that fact. And by being together, encouraging one another, loving and supporting each other. A memorial service like this reminds us of a life well-lived, well-written, well-spoken by Ron and his kids But the third thing that a memorial service does is it reminds us of the hope that we have and the grounds on which it stands. Right to the very end, George's great hope and expectation was that on the other side of the great divide that we call death lay the land of overcomers. We call it heaven. And Georgia believed that she was an overcomer because Jesus embraced his suffering and overcame death by his resurrection, and his overcoming facilitates all who would overcome after him. We endure suffering. Georgia endured her suffering because of the great suffering Jesus willingly embraced for Georgia and for every one of his people. As Marie Lancaster said, I may struggle, but I won't drown. Life is hard, but I can do hard things. I am an overcomer. Georgia was an overcomer because she had a savior who himself overcame. He overcame the world and its ambivalence and abuse. He overcame the torturous death on a cross, and he overcame death itself by his resurrection. It's when we entrust ourselves to this savior, to Jesus, that we overcome life and its struggles, death and its finalities. Georgia was and is an overcomer, and from heaven is pointing us to her blessed hope, Jesus Christ, himself the chief overcomer. Um, A little earlier, we heard from the St. 
Paul Almanac, is that right? The St. Paul Almanac. There was another St. Paul, and I quote from this other St. Paul, who said, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, peril or sword, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer, we overcome through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so for the first time, Georgia can walk and run without pain. For the first time, Georgia's hands are working well. Her scleroderma is a distant memory because Georgia is in heaven not because she deserves it or has earned it but because she has put her trust in Jesus as God's provision for her sin Henry F. Light was a British clergyman in the late 18th century and Henry was a sufferer too he suffered from lung disorder which turned into tuberculosis And his career ended at age 54 due to his inability to gather wind to preach a sermon. His last days were uh, spent uh, in France. His lungs gave out and he passed away. His sufferings yielded to glory. And he wrote about his experience shortly before he died, at least how he was processing his impending passing. He wrote this. Abide with me, it's a prayer. Fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight in tears, no bitterness. Where is death's sting, where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou will abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's mornings break and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord. With me. In a few moments, uh, we will uh, be dismissed. We're going to sing another song, Amazing Grace, another uh, one of George's favorites. Then we're going to, in unison, as we conclude our service, uh, recite together the 23rd Psalm. Now, if you're like me, you memorized it in the King James English. 
And uh, so that might be right on the tip of your tongue for memory's sake. I put it on the back of the bullet, and I don't know about you, but my recollector doesn't work quite as well as it used to. But uh, we'll read the 23rd Psalm together, and then we'll be dismissed. And the Story family has prepared for us a, uh, a well, somewhere between heavy snacks and light lunch. Uh, but you, you'd be welcome to, to stay. We would wish you would because I'm going to be eating a lot of little sandwiches over the next week unless you share those with us. So, um, so we'll do that upon our conclusion. But I would like first to have you bow for prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, Georgia did indeed receive that well-done, good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your salvation. We thank you for lending us Georgia for those 77 years and the blessing she was to so many. Uh, God, we thank you now for the fact that Georgia points us to her heavenly hope, our Lord Jesus Christ, who promises eternal life, that mansion in heaven, that permanence, so that this tent might be put away once and for all. God, we pray for, the, for that one who has heard that message today that the gospel might reach deep into their hearts. And We pray that the greatest blessing that Georgia could receive from this hour together would be for someone to embrace the Savior and meet her in heaven and say, I'm here because of you. And so we thank you for this time together, God. We ask your blessing on Ron and his family. In their grief, please bless them. Give them strength for the tasks of the day. But give them the blessing of deep grief as they think about Georgia and her life with them. We make our prayer in the name of Jesus, the purveyor of amazing grace. Amen. Please stand.
is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Amen. And please be dismissed and enjoy some of our refreshments. Thank you.